You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Okay, there is a lot to break down there. First of all, good morning, everyone. And le- Good morning, that's good. Uh, let me go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Uh, the reason that I'm speaking differently today, if any of you have even noticed, maybe you haven't, but I just think you're like, ah, his, his speech is a little bit off. I had a oral surgery. I essentially had a gum graft off the roof of my mouth and applied to my teeth, which I don't recommend at all. It's extremely painful. Imagine eating like a tray of piping hot pizza rolls coming out of the oven and then like gargling with gasoline. And that will give you a kind of a inkling of what it feels like. But nonetheless, um, I'm a few days from that. It's, you know, I'm still a little tender and I'm still a little swollen. So that's why I sound different. But I didn't want you to get hung up on that. Nor am I sharing that to garner any of your sympathy. I am not. I'm just merely explaining to you why if I sound a little bit different, that is the reason that I sound um, different. So moving right along. couple of things. Number one, we are changing our time from 10 a.m. to 9.30 a.m., and I think it's important to explain why. Um, well, since Spotlight Cinema got bought by, bought by um, Black Bear Cinema, they moved their movie times from 1 p.m. to 12 p.m., meaning that we have to have everything tore down uh, for them to be able to open up shop by 12 p.m. Well, we didn't change any of our times. We thought like, we'll just continue to try to do this. But what happens is when we release out of service, um, our dream team who sets everything up and tears everything down is running around frantically to tear everything down to be able to make sure that everything disappears by 12 p.m. So they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, but it doesn't exactly match the environment and the culture that we're striving for, where we wanna put people first. So if this is your first time attending, and then you walk out in the foyer and everybody's sprinting around, it just kind of communicates a message like, well, I'll just be on my way then. And that's what typically happens. That's how I would read into that. And that's gross to me because this is all, God is all about relationship. The gospel advances through relationship and we want to take the time to get to know each and every single one of you. And so we didn't like that. So we met as a coaching team and we decided to make this change. So we're going to be blasting social media and, um, and just write it down, put it as an alarm on your phone, but 9.30, early bird catches a worm, you'll be okay. 9.30 still isn't actually that early. I know for some people, and I always have to chuckle when they feel like 9.30 is early, but nonetheless, we all have different rhythms of life, but I just think 9.30 isn't that early, but we will be meeting at 9.30, and then that will give us a little bit more margin um, to go a little deeper in worship or to be able to spend a little bit more time um, after prayer. And so that's why we made that change, and that'll be for the foreseeable future until um, we get a building to lease or a building to purchase, which I just want to share with you on that. I think I've been maybe not as vocal as I could be, but I'm knocking on a lot of doors looking for a different venue to meet our growing needs for uh, also for us not to have to rush around and set up and tear down. Um, I feel like the Lord is, has shut the door on each one. That just means that we were looking in the wrong spots. I know, especially now I discern that this uncomfortability is, is, is a sign 
of the seasons shifting. So I do believe a new building is in the foreseeable future, but there is also acts of obedience that we need to take to walk towards this door that God is opening. God can open a door and we can just be standing still because it's really comfortable right here and it doesn't require any faith and it doesn't require any sacrifice and it doesn't require me to change in any way. So I think I'll just stay right here. And God is saying, I'm going to put this just a little bit ahead of you so that you have to move forward in faith, so that you have to sacrifice the things that maybe you're holding on to, driving a little bit too much comfort for, so that you can trust me in a greater capacity, because that's how the Lord moves. And as a result of letting go of those things, of stepping forward in faith, we build the character to be able to steward this new season of life. Does that make sense? That's how the Lord works. And so I believe that it's coming. And um, I just wanted to give you a little bit of context about why we're moving around uh, the time. Lastly, I'll say this, and uh, I know we're going to have to kind of have a condensed message here, but that's all right. I believe the Lord is moving in worship. Um, Lastly, I'll say this, This Wednesday at 7.30, we are going to be showing The Blind. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to watch the trailer. It's really, it's really moving. And this isn't your prototypical Christian movie. And I'm not trying to knock on Christian movies because who doesn't like Faith Like Potatoes, right? You know, like we all love Christian movies. And, but um, sometimes I think they can get a bad rap because they are uh, limited in their resources and finding actors and finding... Uh, certain cameras, but they have gone all out on this film, and it's a raw depiction of um, Pat Robertson's walk to Christ. And there's some, there's some, there's some ugliness in it because how many of you know every testimony has some ugliness in it? Um, but it's raw and it's moving. And uh, what's that? Phil, Phil, I'm sorry, I said Pat, Phil. Yeah, Pat Roberts, he's, he's like the 700 Club guy or something. <laughs> yeah, he's from, Phil Robertson is from Duck Dynasty. And so it's gonna be an awesome time. Watch the trailer, it's already taken care of. And so if some of you know people that are like, hey, I don't think they'd ever step foot inside of a church, even if they meet in a movie theater, they might go to a movie, invite them. It's already covered. We're gonna pack out the theater and uh, it'll be just a good time for us to be able to hang on a Wednesday night. It's way past my bedtime because it starts at 7.30. So that's, that's already like 30 minutes past my bedtime. But I'm willing to sacrifice because it's important to spend time with one another. So anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a bow on all of the announcements. But those things were important um, for us to be able to highlight. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Okay, because if you said no, I was just going to walk out of here, okay? So I'm glad that you said, I'm glad that you said yes. We have been talking about, unintentionally, we stumbled across this sermon series, and I guess I would call it warnings. And I've been sharing with you that I have a obligation, a moral responsibility, a righteous responsibility to preach the full counsel of God's word. And it has become, unfortunately, um, uh, a trend, especially inside of the Western church, to avoid certain scriptures that could, could cause division or uncomfortability on your part. But how many of you know that God, <clears throat> he knows what he's talking about? And Paul warned us that in the last days, people would prop up for themselves preachers and teachers that would tell them, 
what they wanted to hear. And so if I was so preoccupied with how you viewed me, I would be tempted and probably would step into that temptation to just share what you want to hear, your biggest and your best and your baddest life right now, not tomorrow, right now. And there are promises in God's word of wanting to prosper you and wanting to bless you and and wanting to excavate the dreams that he's placed inside of you and grow the gifts. So I'm not trying to diminish any minister that, that focuses on those things, but we have a responsibility to preach it all. Okay, and so warnings actually protect us from getting off track. In fact, the reason that every single one of us are here is because we heeded warnings that were on the streets. Had we gone through that red light, had we gone through that yield, which just truth be told, probably most of you did on the yield thing, right? I still don't understand how you're supposed to get on 95. You're supposed to slow down. Like there's not three lanes, there's two lanes and all of a sudden you're supposed to, but it's, anyway, we have to heed the warnings. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about finances because the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, the heart lo- or, or your money often locates where your heart is. And I shared, I've been sharing that, you know, like if you have an unhealthy obsession with Pokemon, you know, and I'm not talking about just collecting Pokemon, but an unhealthy obsession to the point where like your bills aren't being paid and this is all you have. Well, that's where your heart is. Like that is your little God, little G idol in your life. In fact, somebody came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Matt, I'm selling all my Pokemon. I'm like, I'm not telling you to sell all your Pokemon. They're like, no, 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 no. Like, this isn't because you said it. It's something that the Holy Spirit's doing inside of my heart. I said, okay, it's okay to own Pokemon. They're not demon monsters or pocket monsters or whatever they were called back in the 80s. Couldn't watch ET, couldn't, but... I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for that man that the Holy Spirit was moving in his heart because it shows up in different ways. It could be beauty products. It could be um, antique cars. It could be video games, whatever. But the, heart, the money lo- often locates where your heart is. And uh, people get uncomfortable when you talk about money. And the reason that people get uncomfortable is because it's connected to your heart. And people don't want to, you know, they don't, they don't want to open up in, in this particular area. In fact, um, you know, the, I, I did a study and it said the first word most babies say um, when they're able to actually formulate a word is, I'll just kick it to you guys. What do you think the first word people say, babies say? Mom, mommy. They say mom. That's actually the first word, but I think somebody got the second word. What's the second word? Mine, 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 mine. You ever see, uh, what's that movie? Finding Nemo, and they're like, mine, 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 mine. It's a spirit of mine, the me monster, me, myself, and I. It's like mine. Don't tell me what to do with mine. I'm, this is mine, right? And babies learn that. It's intrinsic in their little selfish nature. They just like, this is mine. Like this kid, my baby, who's sick, who's, I'm sorry, I have six kids. I'm a little, the Tylenol is getting to me. But my youngest, Ethan, he will... Um, he will, he has, he's into Spider-Man, like an unhealthy obsession. Like he watches Spider-Man like seven times a day, which probably 
an indictment on our bad parenting, but he is just obsessed with Spider-Man. So he has all these Spider-Man like toys, like an action figure, and he carries them all around. He won't go anywhere until he has them all and he'll get to the car. And he's just like, he's just carrying all this stuff. And it's like, it's gross and it's ugly. We didn't teach this to him. It's just intrinsic inside of us. And we can laugh at a little kid that won't go anywhere without, you know, like one of my Spider-Mans is missing. There's not seven here. There's only six. And he can't, he doesn't even play with them. He just wants to know where they all are at. And heaven forbid you touch one of them because then you are the enemy. But we can laugh at that, but we kind of don't really grow out of that. It just kind of looks different as we become adults, right? Go inside my garage. You can look at this car. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. No, I don't drive it. Why would I drive it? I just like to come out here and I like to look at it. This is $47,000. And you're like, and I'm not knocking you if you have a $47,000 car. I'm just saying, you know, like it can locate. If, if like you've given $5 to the kingdom and you've paid $47,000, there might be something there worth investigating. And this is why it's so important. And the Bible tells us that money will locate your heart where it is at. The average church member gives less than 2% of their income to the church. Again, an indicator of what holds importance and relevance in your life. I know that's like a hard-hitting fact, but, but it's true. And this idea of money, Jesus talked more about money than he talked about faith or prayer. So he has a lot to say about it. Again, money is not the root of all evil. Money is simply a tool that you can use to do amazing things. In fact, we need money in the kingdom. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And so we need to make sure that money has never, hasn't taken root inside of our heart. In fact, the very first parable that Jesus shares in the gospel is the parable of the sower and the seed. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, sowing and reaping. Paul is talking to the church in Philippi. This is, um, and he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. And so what he's talking about, he's talking to them about money, but he's not really talking to them about money. He's talking about them, their obedience in giving, their obedience in serving opens doors to so many more areas of their life that they get credit for. And so what he's trying to say to them is because they were financially supporting Paul is like, I, I don't need your money, but the reason that I'm preaching and teaching you about money is because it's larger than me and the needs that I have to be able to get to the church of Corinth. You holding on to this and hoarding and stewing and, and kind of like mine, 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 mine with all your Spider-Man toys isn't good for you. And if you're willing to release your grip and have an open hand, that God is going to do so much more in and through you. It's going to be counted to your credit, not mine. So me teaching you about giving has nothing to do with my benefit. It has to go to your credit. This is what Paul is trying to convey. I want you to receive all that God has for you. And because money pinpoints the location of our heart, it can be a blockage from receiving other things 
in the kingdom. And Paul is saying, I'm trying to get down to the root because this is a stumbling block in your walk with God and being able to believe him for other areas of your life because you're so like contorted and welled up with this mind, 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 mind attitude. We always think God's gonna take something away from us and we're gonna live in lack. And so giving unlocks so many other doors to blessings in our life because it's connected to our heart. It, it really has nothing to do with the money. Again, money's a tool. Money's just, it, it really has to do with the condition of our heart. But money will often locate the condition of our heart. Paul, here's another church that Paul's speaking to in Corinth. And he says this, this is quite a bit of scripture, but 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, he says, we want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy in their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God. First of all, I want to highlight that word begging. Have you ever, in all of your years on this earth, ever seen somebody sitting to the left or to the right of you that was like, oh my gosh, I wish this worship would get over just so we could give. Let's get to the giving part. I want to give. This guy's talking forever. Let's just give the opportunity to be able to give, right? Probably none of you have ever heard that. We have heard people say, man, I wish we were just worshiping all day long or man, I wish I could sit under Pastor Matt's teaching all day long. I don't know if anybody's ever said that. Um, maybe someday. But the point is that no one begs for the opportunity to be able to give. And Paul is highlighting in this church, they were actually in poverty. They actually didn't have a lot. But when they heard about the needs, they pooled everything together and they gave. And as a result of giving, they came to a place of having abundance simply because they did not hoard. And I got to tell you, in my experience of going all over the planet, that sometimes poverty are the most greedy and selfish. It's a selfish spirit. It's a spirit of mine in poverty to hold on to everything that you have. And yes, there are certainly people that are making boatloads of money that move forward and have a heart posture of greed. But I'm telling you that it shows up in poverty as well. And so what the Lord is saying, if you're willing to let go and to release this and to allow money to flow from your hands when you see a need, I'm going to put more in there for you. Because they were spiritually on target, they were financially on target. And that's an extremely important point to be able to make. When you are spiritually on target, you will be financially on target. When you obey the full counsel of God's word, you will not live in lack. You will not live in poverty. But you say to me, mate, Pastor Matt, I'm living in a tight situation. What I am here to tell you is if you are willing to surrender your finances to obey the word of God, your first and your best, I'm to the Lord that God will prosper you. He will lead you to a place that you have more than an abundance to be able to meet the needs of those that are around you. 
I want to talk to you over the next, oh my gosh, just a few minutes about this idea of sowing and reaping. First of all, I, I grew up in the church and I never had heard the word sewing. I thought sewing was like when you take a fabric and you sew it together. But sowing is actually planting. So I'm going to kind of help you here. Planting a seed. And reaping, I didn't know what reaping is. I just remembered that song from Blue Oyster called, Don't Fear the Reaper, Baby, Take My Hand. So I thought it was like the Grim Reaper. I had no idea what sowing and reaping, and I was raised in the church. I mean, honestly, who uses sowing and reaping outside of the church? It's an antiquated term. Nobody uses it anymore. So I'm not going to assume that anybody in this room understands what it is. So I'm going to tell you, it's planting and then harvesting. That's sowing and reaping, Okay. And the Bible says that this, this concept of sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting is an elementary doctrine in scripture. Do you know what that means? Elementary doctrine. That's addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, verb, noun, pronoun, hold up. Just like, you know, it's like a basic understanding. I can't get to middle school. I can't go to high school. I can't move on in my academics if I don't understand simple arithmetic and simple grammar. Can I? There's no way that I can write a research paper if I don't understand how to even properly form a sentence, let alone a paragraph. So we understand, because we've all been to school, an elementary education. Paul is telling us that this idea of giving, sowing, and reaping, tithes and offerings is really an elementary doctrine. I want you to be able to get this so that you can mature and grow in so many other areas of your life. But if your unwillingness is to fold your arm and do one of these numbers... And just say, yeah, I just don't buy it. Then you're really, you're really stunting your own growth. And you're stunting a, an intimacy that you can experience with the Lord as you let go of the clutches of this world to embrace the kingdom's way of doing things. We have to unlearn a lot of ish that's been planted in us along the way. A lot of seeds have been planted in us from the world system that we have to uproot to embrace God's system, the kingdom system of doing life in this world. And so the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap Bountifully. So let me just say this. If you plant a lot of seeds, you're going to have a big harvest. And if you don't plant a lot of seeds, then you're going to have a small harvest. That's essentially what it is. He's highlighting two types of givers with two different types of views towards God. Number one, the one that so sparingly sees God as a taker. And they're trying to hold on to everything because they don't know if they're ever going to get anything back. The second who reaps, who reaps, sorry, sows bountifully, who plants bountifully, okay? They view God as somebody that is, who's, he's a giver, who wants to bless them and has blessed them in the past. All throughout the New Testament, you will see the concept of giving tied to sowing and reaping. This principle is 
all throughout scripture. And this principle even tra- it, it far transcends giving financially. It ties into our everyday life. In fact, prayer is sowing and reaping. How can God answer prayers that you haven't uttered? Have you ever thought about that? If we were to flash up on the screen every prayer that you've had over the course of your life, first of all, would we be able to fill it? Second of all, like what, I mean, just sowing and reaping. Well, this hasn't happened in my life. Have you taken it to prayer? Have you run to everything else that the world has to offer and the seventh thing on your list is, well, I guess there's nothing else to do. Let's take it to prayer. When prayer should be the very first thing, sowing and reaping. We have no right being embittered if we haven't tested God in this area. In fact, with our finances, God says, actually test me in this area. Hey, if I don't do it, then walk away from it. But can we honestly say that we've tested him in this area? Or are we afraid to? So your harvest depends on whether or not you sow. Obviously, you cannot bring in a harvest if you haven't planted any seeds, right? That's pretty like, Everybody understands that concept. There is no farmer that would go out in the fall, hire a bunch of people to bring in the crop if he didn't first plant. That would be ludicrous. If he lined all these people up and he lined them up and said, okay, we're going we're gonna to bring in this harvest. And they stop and they say, dude, there's, these fields are empty. I'm like, huh, why are they empty? Yeah, what? Maybe they didn't, maybe the seed didn't seed. Oh, I didn't sow any seed. Well, dude, you can't have a harvest if you don't plant. You didn't plant any seed back in the spring? No, man, I I didn't do it. We'd think that's crazy. We could, you know, if a farmer came to us and said, hey, I didn't, it's September and harvest is coming in October. Um, I didn't plant any seeds, but can you guys pray and fast? And we could pray and fast until we're blue in the face and weighing 95 pounds. And it's not gonna make a dang bit of difference if they didn't sow that seed into the ground. There's also a place that a farmer has to come to where he doesn't say, well, you know what? I got these seeds in my hand. I got nothing in that field. I'm gonna eat these seeds because at least it'll give me momentary pleasure. That would be insane because you see the potential that's inside of that seed. Dude, don't eat that seed for a full belly one day. You could plant that seed and reap a harvest that's going to bring in hundreds of thousands of dollars. You need to plant those seeds in the ground. Even if his stomach is growling in the moment, the wise farmer will be able to look beyond his discomfort in the moment to be able to plant so that he can bring in that harvest. In fact, farmers, if you think about it, have to plant seeds or sow seeds when they're least able to do it. So it's coming out of the winter. They've already sold all of their crop and now they're living on kind of the last ends of their finances. And all they have are these seeds. This is all they have and they're in, they're in need. And what they do is when they find themselves at the lowest point, they plant those seeds because they know a harvest is coming. Farmers have more faith in the ecological system of this world to rain than in the sun to shine than we have as believers in the one that created it all, if you think about it. And that's a, that's a rough place for us to be able to be. So... 
if there is no sowing, if there is no planting, there is no harvest. If there is no, uh, if there's sparing planting, there is a small harvest. It's really that simple. But if there's bountiful planting, there's going to be a bountiful harvest. The Bible says this, Genesis 1.11. Oh gosh, I'm coming up against time. Okay, I'm just going to share it like this. Um, you know what? Let me just skip that. Your harvest depends on what you sow. This also is true of, of planting bad seeds. If we plant bad seeds, we're going to get weeds. Okay? And a lot of people don't like to talk about this, but you know, when we plant bad seeds, this is a result. If I sit around and watch Netflix all day, if I don't exercise my body later on in life, I'm going to have all kinds of health issues. Those are the seeds that I planted. I made the intentional decision not to sacrifice my time and wanting to watch the new Netflix series, but by going to the gym and working my body out so that it could become stronger and then watching what I eat so I can live longer on this earth. That is a seed that is sown. So when you get to the end of your life and all of a sudden you're having all these health problems and you can't go back and plant those seeds anymore, you can hope to plant those seeds and, and yield a smaller harvest to extend the longevity of your life. But it's really done in the earlier years. And this goes to saving our money, to being good stewards, to leaving an inheritance to our children, to not just buying the new boat or the shiny snowmobile or the new four-wheeler or whatever it is in the moment, or going uh, to see Taylor Swift, or whatever it is. I mean, that's just about the same price, isn't it? Go see Taylor Swift or buy a snowmobile. Get the snowmobile. I'm just kidding. I have nothing against Taylor Swift. But, um, but the idea is, are you saving? Are you looking and you're like, you know what? I have committed that I'm going to put $250 aside every single paycheck or whatever it is so that when I get later in life, I'm able to live off of something. Or you just say, hey, I got $250 in my bank account. Let's go to go see Taylor Swift. And then you do something the next month and something the next month. And then when you get to your 60s, you're like, uh, I got $576 in my bank account. How am I going to live? And I can't really work anymore because I never worked out. And I didn't really take care of my health because I ate fast food all the time. You're in a hard situation right? And so it'd be wise for you, wherever you're at in your life, you could still be in your 60s, you could be in your 50s, you could be in your 20s inside of this room, to be planting the seeds for longevity and a bountiful harvest in your life, in the area of health, in the area of knowledge, okay? If you're not reading books, okay, and you're not studying, then you're going to be left with the knowledge that you have in your head that might be a high school education. And I'm not telling you that you should go to college. I think college is an antiquated system because as, as uh, Matt Damon said it so well in Goodwill Hunting, you know, you're going to come to the conclusion that after $125,000 spent in five years in school, you could have racked up for $1.76 late charges at the local library by just taking out the same books that they're going to assign you and reading them yourself. So what I am telling you is that every single one of us need to be on a pursuit to be able to grow our minds, to be able to grow our bodies, to be able to grow our spirits. That's why we're spending time in the word and also to be able to grow our creativity. And by sacrificing and sending those seeds down into the ground, we are going to reap a harvest in our mind, in our body, in our creativity, um, and in our spirit if we're willing to make the sacrifice of not eating the seed that's in our hand, and not spending it on what we want in that moment, but thinking about the longevity of if I plant this in the ground, I will reap a harvest. Does that make sense? I know that it makes sense. It's good, okay? I just want you guys to be able to get it. So let me just share. 
Last thing, Luke 6, 38. I'll say last thing two more times. Give and it will be given to you. What will be given to you? What is it? It is what you gave. So if you give, what you gave will be given back to you. Well, how will it be given back to me? Good question. With good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For the measure, for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. God is telling you to test him in this area. If you give it, what you gave will be given back to you, but not the same way that you gave it because we're not talking about addition. We're talking about multiplication. God's going to make sure that you're running over, spilling with an abundance so that you can help others that are around you. Again, God has no problem with you having nice things. I hope that all of you have nice things in your life, but not to the place where you're not serving and helping and meeting the needs of those that are around you. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap this up, I promise. Okay, here we go. Where are we at? Okay, lastly, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 15. This is a bit of scripture, but I'm gonna read through it and then I'm gonna let you go. It says this, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, listen to these words, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Notice this is in you. It's not just for you. It's in you. By giving, it unlocks something in your heart. It unlocks and like drains the poison of greed in this mind, 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 mind spirit out of you. And God is saying, I'm gonna unlock this level of generosity inside of you. Yes, you will be enriched. I wanna be enriched in every way, not just monetarily, so that you can always be generous. This is a covenant promise of God that you can stand on. And when we take our gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, everybody say, giving is a ministry. Giving is a ministry. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them. And to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Our generosity in our giving is a sign to the unbeliever that we're not tethered to the same thing that they're tethered to. That we're free to give because our needs aren't being met by our employer or by the government, but our needs are met according to Christ Jesus. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful 
for words. Paul's saying like, I can't even articulate this, guys. This is so rich and so good. Just, just do it, man. Just try him on this so that your life can explode. And you may be sitting in this room today and you may say like, I don't really have a lot, okay? All right. God's never gonna ask you for anything that you don't have. God is a giver before our giving and he's a giver after our giving. And that started this scripture by saying, God gives seed to the sower. God, if you open your hand, even if you don't think there's anything in it, God will put something in it because he gives seed to the sower. And God doesn't look at our giving the same way that we may look at giving. Remember last week we talked about the woman who gave two mites and Jesus called his disciples up in front of everybody, by the way, and said, you see that woman right there that gave those two mites? She gave more than all these wealthy men in this room combined. Because God sees the heart. And I don't know about you, but I don't want greed to take root in my heart. It's an ugly, disgusting thing. I'm comparing myself to the people to the left and to the right. I become jealous of their possessions. I strive and work myself to the bone to try to get something that's gonna give me momentary pleasure. Ooh, that new car smell, and then it's gone in two weeks. And then I'm running on to the next thing and the next thing. And God is saying, you can have peace and contentment in me if you let go of the desires of this world and you freely give and I will freely give back to you. You don't have to worry and fret about your needs being met because I will meet them. But this may be the very thing that's keeping you from walking in that freedom and that peace. I'm gonna ask you to stand. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. And I've preached what you've commanded me to preach to the best of my ability. But Lord, I am trusting that your Holy Spirit is taking your eternal word and making sure it takes root in people's hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray for a personal revelation to just appear over each and every single believer that you would show them how to take ground and to grow and to mature in this area, that they would be able to be set free from the me monster, from the mind monster to God. And if they're struggling, Lord, if they're in an area where they think, if I give, this is going to hurt, I just pray that you would accompany them with your peace and that you would bring in a harvest that their bank account, that their emotional bank account has never seen. I pray that they would have your eyes to see the needs that are all around them. And they would see the privilege that they've been given to be able to help meet those needs. The ministry of giving, Lord, help us be a church that allows that revelation to take root inside of our hearts, that we have been entrusted with the ministry of giving. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of things I wanna share. Number one, we have a growth track happening in the theater directly across. I'm gonna run over there. So if you're in growth track last week, make sure you go there. Wednesday, we're having the, the blind. Um, lastly, I'll say this. I believe as we've been sharing on giving, and we're gonna, we're gonna switch to something else. But as the need of a new church 
talking about giving. I believe that the Lord has put this in my heart and I want to put this on your radar. October, um, where is it? October 29th, it's a Sunday. I'm going to, we're going to take an offering above the tithe, okay? This is going to be an offering that's specifically going to be to be able to meet the needs of our city. And so I want you to pray about what you're going to give. You may only be able to give $20. Come with that $20. Never diminish the seed that's in your hand. But I want you to actually think about and pray about what you're going to give in this special offering. And to really think about it. And then we're all going to come together. Jess and I are going to be talking about this. We're going to be praying about what we're going to give in this special offering. And this is something that I see once a year. We come together. We make a special offering. Last year, we were able to pay for the heat in so many different people's homes because we all came together. We highlighted a specific need. But I believe the Lord has said, why not build a reservoir? So as the needs come, you don't even have to rally the troops. You can just share out of the abundance of what I'm doing in your midst. So October 29th, bring your seed, bring your special offering to be able to give in that. I love each and every single one of you. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.